Hey, I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Our live events are awesome. They are such a great time, and we have such a great group of people showing up to our clinic gym hybrid live events. Now, these will be offered all throughout the country, so find a date and location that works well for you. What do we cover there? Well, the good news is you're going to get 12 CE credits in most states for covering all the aspects of regressions and progressions and finding the perfect rehab for the right client. It's not a just sit down and watch PowerPoints presentation. It is a hands-on seminar, maybe even hands-on ground seminar. You will be moving and exercising and working and actively finding the perfect exercise and rehab for your patients while we're there. We give you tons of tips and abilities to use on Monday. In fact, one of the most common things are these systems and processes were amazing and I can't wait to use them on Monday. That's one of the most common forms of feedback we hear all about our coursework. So it's a two-day seminar, usually Saturday and Sunday, but check out clinicgymhybrid.com and look at our live event page to find the education that works well for you. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I am so glad you're here. It is our goal to help 10,000 offices build into a clinic gym. Why? It's the best version of musculoskeletal care, and it's the only version that's perfectly in line with the evidence. The word exercise comes up more than any other word in the research, so let's implement that And this interview was built to help you understand how to do that. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. And today, we're going to do a little bit something different. I was recently listening to a podcast, as I'm a huge fan of podcasts, and I, number one, appreciate you listening to this podcast. But I heard a podcast recently, and the host was talking about 10 moments or conversations that changed his life and his business trajectory. And it got me thinking about some, and I thought it'd be an interesting dive down uh, my little you know, path and, and memory lane to bring you 10 conversations or moments that changed my path in this, uh, I guess, in my professional life would be a way to say it. Because not all of them had to do with me being a chiropractor or the clinic gym hybrid method, but some of them do. But I think it's just everything, you know, just as I've become a working adult, you know, and this is my career, I, uh, I can think back to 10 moments that definitely pivoted. So I want to take you back. I wrote all 10 down and kind of I'm going to try and go in, in chronological order, which there are some that happened early that you know, didn't, didn't affect me for years and some that you know, happened and then immediately affected me. So the chronological order would be kind of different. But anyways, I thought this would be fun. So the first one was... Uh, was this. So I was up at Montana State University. I was a student trainer helping out with the women's basketball team. And we had this player. She was a tall, uh, she played the four or five uh, tall girl from Wyoming named Tennyson. And uh, I remember at one point in, during our season, she busted her foot. And the thing was, I think it was a stress fracture. Nobody could really be sure. But I, I can remember the moment that the doctors were talking about her in the locker room. She was a tough gal. I mean, she was absolutely tough. And I can remember standing in the women's locker room at halftime, and she is in tears. I mean, sobbing like I've never seen anybody sobbing, talking about how bad her foot hurts. And the doctors were saying, we don't know why it's not going away. We can't give you another injection because they had been injecting it with cortisone, but she was up to like three cortisone injections in two weeks or something. I can't remember. 
And so they were like, we can't inject you anymore, so you know, you can just take some ibuprofen and the trainers will tape you. And I remember like watching and going, tape her? Like what and we were just using white tape at the time. So this is long before like kinesio tape and all that stuff. But we were gonna tape her foot, the the head trainer or the assistant trainer who was the head trainer of the basketball team was going to tape her foot with white tape. If you know anything about white tape, if you ever had your ankles taped or anything, it wasn't gonna do a damn thing. It was gonna be like peeing in the ocean, man. It just was gonna get so diluted, it was absolutely not gonna do anything. And I remember at that moment, I felt so helpless and so, like we had no path forward. We had no system. We had no tools. We had no way to organize. We had no way to look at the problem and figure out what we should do next with her. And I remember thinking, why does this keep occurring? If we could solve that problem, we'd solve her pain. Now, I was really young. I had no idea about the SFMA or FMS or anything, but that question got me on that path. And when I said, you know, chronological order, this is the first moment I remember like going through human movement and thinking there has to be a different way, a better way, and just feeling so helpless that we could not do anything else for this beautiful, talented athlete who is sobbing in pain. And I just felt so bad. I was like, man, we have failed here. Like this is absolute abject failure in front of us. There's absolutely nothing we can do other than just put her on crutches and let her you know, limp. Uh, and it was like an away game, I think. And so, you know, we still had to travel. It was just horrible seeing her walk around. Anyway, so that was my first one. So that was moment number one. Moment number two, chronologically, was, uh, you know, that had happened to Tennyson. And at the same time I was up there, I was training in Olympic weightlifting. And I had made a big attempt to, um, I was working towards a very heavy squat something like I was trying, my goal was long-term was 500 pounds and we were getting close, right? So it was like 495 or something. And I went down to the bottom of a squat. Uh, so this is like Olympic weightlifting style, like ass to grass style squats. And I remember I got to the bottom of a squat and I felt this click. And I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't a stabbing pain. It wasn't shooting pain. It wasn't whatever. It was just this little click. But immediately I knew something was wrong. And uh, I end up getting the, the bar back onto the rack. I think my training partner kind of guided me in. But I remember over the, what I think happened was, I think that was the tear of the annular fibers of my L4-5 disc. Because over the next three or four hours, I progressively got worse and worse and worse, lost tons of mobility, had horrible low back pain, and it radiated into my left buttock um, and just couldn't move, super flexion intolerant, uh, it tightened up, tightened up, tightened up. And anyways, that led to this moment. So that was the start of it. And I was getting treated because I was a student trainer. I could just go into the training room and they would, you know, do everything they could. So almost every day I got Easton, ultrasound, and sat in an ice bath. And I was like, you know, they said, hey, it should be better in like a month. And I remember on day like 28 or 29 going, man, I've been here on 30 straight. I'm going to be here for 30 straight days. And I was sitting in the ice bath with a little whirlpool thing, you know, the motor's going, scooping ice in there, freezing to death, got the little toe covers on my toes. And I remember thinking, like, there's no pain as I sit here, but there's no way I'm going to get back under a bar. There's absolutely no freaking way I can get under a bar. I just knew it. And that was like heartbreaking. It was frustrating. And it was, 
it bothered me because again, it took me back to the same thing I felt about that athlete's foot. We have no tools. We have no methods. We have no way to break down the problem and figure out what the hell is going on and how to, how to fix it. We don't have a tool set so that we can find out where the holes in our, in our tool set is. Like we don't have an organizational structure or anything. But the crazy thing was I was reading a book. In, so I would sit in the ice bath and just read, study, stuff like that. And I was reading a book called The High Performance Handbook. And if I'm right, it was chapter seven. I was reading about this idea of something called the functional movement screen. And I think that book was the first place that the FMS was ever published, as in written about. And they had pictures of the screening kit, which was really a two by six. This is long before the plastic kit you could buy from like Perform Better and stuff. This was literally a two by six and PVC pipe and uh, like an elastic uh, bungee cord essentially for the hurdle step. Anyways, I was like, and I just read that and I was like, man, these guys, at least they have a system, right? They like have a process of checking things out. I think that chapter, uh, it's Bill Ferran's book, The High Performance Handbook, and I think that chapter was written by Gray Cook about what we all know is the FMS now. But it was such a stark contrast because I was like, I can't get under the bar. Nobody is talking about my movement. Everybody is addressing the pain and the e-stim and ultrasound is just... It's just masking it. There's no way I'm going to get back under the bar. And uh, that definitely stuck with me for a long time. So that was the second one, was sitting in that ice bath at that moment. Number three, this has nothing to do with movement, but I was up at Montana State University and looking back at things that made a major change. My brother, Ian, was up there with me. And I think he was only up there with me for like two or three years. But it was just this unlikely event that he decided to go up there with me after going to playing football at college in Southern California, and then that kind of tuckered out. So he wanted to go go up to school with me. I'm like, hey, man, you got to go. It's the most beautiful place. And he totally dug it. We went up there. We had a blast of a time. And uh, anyways, when I was early in college, man, I was shy as hell. And I'd already gone to college for two years before he basically joined me up there, right? I was shy as hell, you know, wasn't really outgoing and whatnot, was not as... <laughs> as uh, extroverted as I am now. But we were going places and, and um, we'd go places and Ian just really demonstrated to me like, hey, just when you go into a place, like shake people's hands, say, hey, my name's, you know, he would just be like, hey, my name's Ian, uh, what's your name? And I was just like shocked, like how many other people just opened up. They were nervous to introduce themselves. Everybody was scared to talk and he just wouldn't let any of that slow him down and he just started talking to people. And somewhere along the way, we were walking back to our dorm one time, and uh, it's called this building called North Hedges. And there are these two guys out in front of North Hedges boxing. And Ian, my brother Ian, was like, just I could see him light up, like, oh, these guys look like they're cool guys. And one of them turned out to be uh, a guy named Ryan Moore, who uh, Montana Ryan Moore, not Ryan Moore the golfer, but Ryan Moore, my buddy in Montana, who ended up being and is still one of my best friends, just one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Um, just a crazy mix of outdoorsmen and likes to go to the would dance. <laughs> We'd go to these like, you know, nightclubs and this is Bozeman, Montana. So that's a very loose term, but nightclubs would go dancing and have a couple drinks. And then he would go hunting and he was a forest firefighter. He was like the most eclectic dude I've ever met, but he is genuinely one of the best guys I've ever met. And anyways, that little series of events, my brother introducing himself and then it culminating with meeting Ryan outside of our thing. And then Ryan became our roommate for 
Um, you know, we moved into a house and stuff, but that event was the breakover point of me deciding, hey, I'm going to go be outgoing, shake hands, talk to people. And I can't tell you how much of my life has been positive since then. I mean, like, it, it helped me meet some of the people I'm going to talk about in the, on these other points. It helped me meet, um, you know, just gurus and mentors, more, more mentors than gurus. And it helped me get to the point where I love public speaking now. I love speaking at Parker seminars and I love speaking and teaching for the SFMA and I love speaking and teaching the live event for Clinic Gym Hybrid. It just lights me up. It charges my batteries more than anything else. And I would never have done that had I not been in that first kind of example where my... Yeah, I, I just would not have done it if it wasn't for my brother showing me the way there. So that was definitely a pivotal point in my life and has led to so much joy, so much progress, so much everything. So if uh, Ian, if you're listening, man, you changed my life in those moments. So what's next? So there I was like learning to be outgoing and whatnot. I go to chiropractic college. I, I do a bunch of stuff in chiropractic college, meet my wife, um, so I could say that was a pivotal moment was meeting my wife in chiropractic college because that led to everything that we've done out here in Vegas and the companies we've built and everything. And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this, it was a pivotal moment and it was weird how it happened. So it was like finals week and I'm sure that every listening has been through the, the finals weeks of grad school, right? Whether it's chiropractic, physical therapy, whatever, where it's like, if you added it all up, it's some absurd number of tests and quizzes and f- exams in a two-week period, like 14 tests in two weeks or some crap like that between labs and lecture and everything. So it was one of those, and we were finishing on Thursday. And a bunch of us had said, hey, let's meet up Thursday night and go to dinner, and then we'll go do something fun, right? And everybody's kind of just shell-shocked from all the studying you're doing and you know, blah, 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 blah. So I said, all right, man, we'll meet up. So it was me and my friend Pat and his roommates, the, his roommate, Jill and um, a couple other people, and uh, and my wife ends up being one of the people who's invited and all the stuff. Anyways, there were supposed to be at one point ten people going. It whittled down. Somebody else said, "Hey, I'm going to stay in for the night. Oh, I'm tired. I got to take off for home in the morning." Blah 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 blah. It ends up that we I show up to this restaurant we're supposed to go, and it's just my wife and I, well, or my future. It was Amanda. Wasn't dating her wasn't married to her was you know it was just like we're the only two out of the 10 original that we met so we meet up there and i'm just like all right well screw everybody else that ditched us you want to just go do something so we just had this magical night we went to some restaurant i think they screwed up our order so i think we got a huge discount which was great because we're broke uh students and then we went to this like miniature golf and go-kart place and rode go-karts and the there was nobody there because it was like four o'clock on a thursday and the guy's like do you guys want to ride again? There's no cost. And so we rode the go-karts like three times in a row. And then we ended up walking around this mall. And then we ended up back at a friend's house. And it was just a, it was just a really good night. But it kind of a bunch of things kind of came together. And that was the start of our relationship. So definitely a pivotal moment. So I get through chiropractic college, open up a practice, blah, 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 blah. And there was a point about three or four years in where I was kind of lost. Like I was seeing a bunch of patients get better and I had this small sliver of patients that weren't and I couldn't figure out why. And it took me back to that feeling of that athlete's foot and not athlete's foot, but the, the basketball player's foot that wouldn't heal and, ha- and feeling helpless with no map, no 
list, no tool set to do anything with. And I was instructing for ART at the time, or assisting in instructing ART at the time. And by the grace of God, the ART instructor's course, uh, one year, I remember the week of that instructor's course, I was really contemplating whether I wanted to continue going forward as a chiropractor. I was so frustrated with the people that weren't getting better, and it just was beating me up and tearing up my insides. And I was like, this is all we're going to do is just, you know, poke on the sore spots and do ART in the, you know, for pain. And that day was when I met Greg Rose. I didn't really meet him. Like, we weren't close at the time or, you know, he was just the instructor in for this ART instructors weekend. And so there are probably like 30 instructors, maybe 50 instructors in the room. And Greg Rose and Mike Voigt, both founders, uh, co-founders of the SFMA, taught us the SFMA in a single day. So it was <laughs> the craziest proposition ever. But as the ART instructors course would typically be like a three-day thing. We'd review concepts, we'd go over how seminars are going, and then Mike Leahy would try and polish our skill set our skill set with the ART. And in this one, somehow they had met Greg and decided to bring him in. And Greg and Mike. And those two guys taught our our instructor core, the ART instructor core, uh, about the SFMA. Now it was way over my head and there's no way I came away from it. But it was very clear that this was a systematic process and a systematic map to get through diagnosis. And I remember thinking, this is the change. This is it right here. This is absolutely crazy. This is what I've been looking for, that map or that, that guidepost or whatever it is that I've been needing this whole time. Since I remember that athlete getting banged up and with no ability to assess her, this is what I've been looking for. And so from the next year, I took the SFMA five different times. And I actually paid for every one of those seminars, even though we didn't have the money to do so. And I wouldn't call this a moment that changed my life, but this was a moment I can remember clearly. I was sitting at a table, uh, about 12 people in Orlando, Florida, one of whom was Greg Rose, and I said, oh yeah, I took the, took the SMA five times my first year. Uh, and he said, oh, that's awesome. So you audited it four times? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, well, once you take it once, you can just come back and not pay again, but just you know, come to the course. And I was like, no, I paid all for all five and he laughed and he said, well, you're the best kind of customer then, <laughs> paying even when you don't need to. And I just felt like such an idiot, like, oh my God, I've spent all this money. But anyways, the one line that Greg said that, that at, at that, that ART instructor's course that stuck with me because it was life-changing was, why the hell are you chasing pain? Why are you doing that? And I was like, because I've just assumed that's the issue. And that he said, don't chase pain. And I remember that used to be like the line, but man, uh, that that line changed my life, and it, that was a pivotal moment, which takes me, uh, yeah, to number five. So things start improving. I have this great assessment system with the SFMA, and we're ro- rocking and rolling with patients. And you know, as you do the SFMA, you refer people out more and more for exercise. So I was referring a bunch of people, and I told this story before on this podcast, but I can remember uh, it was like late November, and I'm getting this call from a local gym gym owner. And she and her husband own a CrossFit gym, and they said, she said, hey, we want to take you out to dinner uh, before Christmas. And I was like, okay, you know, but I got busy, uh, and I never set up a date to go with her and her husband. So she calls back and says, hey, we want to take you guys to dinner. We really want to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget again. She calls back a third time. Hey, we really need to take you to dinner. So good, my wife and I, 
meet the the husband and wife that own the gym. Uh, we go to dinner, and they were like, "We really just want to thank you because without you, our business would not have made it." Uh, we just wanted to thank you for all thirty seven people you referred to the gym this year, and that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I had referred thirty seven people that became gym members to them, 37 patients. And that was one of the seeds for the clinic gym hybrid because I remember thinking like, I'm sending 37 people a year over to this gym. And the crazy thing was that was one of the gyms I referred to. There were a bunch of gyms that that I referred to. They were just one on the list. So I probably had spent over 100 people to go join a gym. And luckily they took me to dinner and kind of snapped out of it and realized, holy crap, like, that, you know, that was, we're, we're throwing away so much business. And I thought, oh man, if we had a gym on the backside of our clinic, we could make some serious money, you know? So that was definitely a a pivotal point. So, um, I have to say like my business partner at the time was also pushing that idea hard. His name was Victor. And, you know, that, you know, nothing ever, exists with, you know, in a, in a vacuum, if Victor hadn't been pushing it either and, and hustling to make it work, it wouldn't have happened either. But, uh, he was, and, uh, yeah, I got to tip my cap to him. He's a, he's a good dude. And I was lucky to have him as a business partner at the time. He has since broken free of chiropractic and gone into construction and is killing it because he's just a smart dude who is good. But at that time that was, uh, yeah. But that that thirty seven referrals thing just absolutely blew my mind. So, anyways, couple so going in chronological order, we add the gym, we open up the gym. I have my second kid. Uh, uh, you know, things change. Victor ends up going into construction. My my business partner at the time. Um, there's just a whole bunch of turnover in our staff. We end up growing to like thirteen trainers uh, or thirteen total staff, of which I think nine were trainers, maybe ten. Um, Learn a lot of lessons there, and there was one point where we were we were kicking butt with services, but we were not getting paid, and I was paying my trainers way too much. So, little tip, pro tip: don't ever pay. Uh, as Tom Plummer told me, don't pay over forty percent, but try to keep it closer to thirty. I had started my trainers at forty percent; they wanted to make more. I had no room to wiggle, and at, we were paying out a bunch. And we weren't collecting money from some of the the people and groups that we were training. So we were waiting on some big checks. Well, things started to get tight. And I remember just scared to death about payroll one day. It was like a Tuesday night. The payroll pulled from the account on Thursday. And we were a long way from covering it, maybe $12,000 away from covering payroll. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Now, I've always been able to sleep always been able to sleep. Like I'll fall asleep mid conversation sometimes at late at night. I'm an early morning riser. You want to meet at 3am, I'll meet you. But, uh, staying past like 10pm is tough for me. So this night was incredibly impactful because I was so stressed out. I remember laying in, in my bed, just staring at the ceiling and I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how to solve this problem about payroll and the expenses that were going to come out. And I'm like, I don't know where the money's going to come from. And, you know, we, we weren't being really good about our memberships. We weren't doing things. These are all lessons I learned that ended up helping us build uh, a successful model. But I remember just stressed out. And any, I, I think nobody should be able to get an MBA without experiencing the pressure of payroll. 
that is the most pressure I've ever felt. So, you know, knowing that we're going to pay 11 people's paycheck and we don't have the money for it, just staring at the ceiling. And I remember about 2 a.m. I got up to go to the bathroom and I was still wide awake and I came back and I could see the silhouette of my body on my sheets in sweat. Like my wife was asleep on the other side of the bed, but I could see it in the moonlight, like just a silhouette of, because I'd been sweating, I was so stressed out. And that was crazy. About that time, I met a guy named Ryan Chapman, who ended up being a really good business mentor. But maybe the second or third time I met Ryan, he told me about all the failures in business he had had, all the things he had screwed up. And then he told me about... <laughs> You know, all that led to learning lessons, and God, Ryan was just such a wise, wise person, and an absolutely amazing man, and told me about all the failures, and then how in, it all changed in 20 months of his life, 20 months. The market had crashed for real estate agents, and he and his brother put together this training program for real estate agents, and in that 20-month period, they went from just doing okay to millionaires in that 20 months because they had the right thing for the market at that right time. It was basically how to sell short sale, how to make short sale deals work. And, but at that time, you know, here I was like worried about, uh, uh, you could say living paycheck to paycheck, although it was living from other people's paycheck to paycheck, struggling to pay payroll, struggling to pay rent, struggling, 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 struggling. And I meet this guy uh, or this this person gets put in my life at the right time, and he just it was the inspiration I needed that things were gonna get were gonna be okay and they were gonna get better, and sure enough, they did, and it was amazing. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit more about Ryan, but just a wise, calm guy, and just when I'd get on the phone with him, it would just reassure me. So things start improving, and uh, I start teaching for SFMA as well, along as as the gym is growing. And the clinic gym is growing. And at some point, we had a successful marketing program. And we had done um, two things. We'd done this, this workshop for female golfers, right? And at the same time, I'd also done a little presentation to a group of women who had uh, pelvic issues, like pelvic floor pain. And I was talking about it. We we're having dinner before an SFMA course, and it's me and Greg Rose and Michelle Desser, and I can't remember who the fourth person at the table, or Kyle Kiesel was the fourth person at the table. So I'm totally out of my league with those brainiacs, but uh, talking about it, and I was like, yeah, so I think we're going to do another one of those pelvic floor presentations or this, this uh, you know, women's golf workshop. And Greg stops and he goes, what if it works? And that question totally shook, my, shook me I was like, what do you mean? He goes, what if it works? What if you present to those women and about pelvic floor pain and they love you and they start sending their friends? Let's assume you're really good at what you do because you are. What if, what if that presentation works? Do you really want a facility full of women who have pelvic floor pain? Is that really what you want? And I was like, well, no, but you know, they're appreciative and nobody's helping them. And he goes, that, that's all good, but what do you want? And it was interesting. I was coming out of a season where, you know, we were struggling to see if what if things didn't work out. And here he was saying, you got to look at it as, as if it's going to work out. Is what you're aiming for really what you want? Is that what you want to fill your clinic with? And I was like, wow, that's really 
And when I went back after that course, I taught that course over the weekend. We never marketed to women with pelvic floor pain again. Um, I found a referral source in town that just sent them all there, but I was like so glad that we didn't fill that up. We did start working with more and more golfers, especially female golfers, and that was a great time. A lot of great, you know, the money was great. Everything was great about it. So in the end, it was just a much better deal. But it was just funny, like, what if this works? Was a what if this actually works? I think is is his words. So, anyways, um, along at that about the same time, I would like I said, I was teaching a lot more for SFMA, and I was teaching with Mike Voigt one time, and I was like, "Hey, man, I want to be a lead teacher." And that at the time that meant get in front of the class and present one of the flowcharts. We don't teach from flowcharts anymore, but at the time we did, and it was kind of the you know you had to teach the presentation if you wanted it. Like, or if you want to be an assistant, they would just teach on the front of the room and you would just assist during the weekend, but never really be a true instructor. And I was like, nah, man, I want more than that. I want to be a lead. So he said, all right, well, teach a flow chart then. And he's like, what do you want to do? Shoulder, cervical spine. And if you know this shoulder and cervical spine breakouts in SFMA, they're, they're kind of the easiest. They're not that big of a deal. And I looked at Mike and I said, nah, man, I want to teach multi-segmental extension. Because at the time, that was the most complicated flowchart. I said, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the big, big old gnarly one. Why not teach that? And he laughed. He's like, all right. But if you screw it up, <laughs> it's over. And I just remember going, no, nah, man, I'm going to bet on myself right now. Like I had been down in the dumps with that, uh, you know, like staring at the ceiling that one night. And then I met Ryan started building up. Greg got me motivated. Things were rolling in the right direction. And then Mike's like, Hey, you got this chance. Do you want to take the easy path and teach something easy? Or do you? And I was like, no, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to knock it out of the park. And, um, yeah, I'm going to teach multi-segmental extension. And I did. And I'm a lead instructor sometimes, you know, like, uh, I can teach my own course now because, and I can go back to that moment was the one that broke me loose. So I'm teaching a course coming up in Portland, for example, and had I not taken on that multi-signal extension at that time, I don't. I would not be teaching that course in Portland. I can clearly see a line between those two events. So, yeah, that definitely changed my life. Um, so those are all kind of to where I am now. There's one thing that changed, I think, the future of my career trajectory, and it looks like it's going to be, it's something I'm pursuing based on one of these other experiences. And it goes back to my friend Ryan Chapman, the, uh, you know, he was that business mentor that helped me out a lot. Um, a couple of years ago, he was complaining about low back pain and he went to a bunch of different providers. So he lived down in Tucson, Arizona, went to see five or six different providers. I flew down to see him. I treated him in his house over a weekend. And um, what we all, all seven of us, as I went back and looked at it, all seven of us didn't find was the fact that he had colon cancer. That was the deep cause of his low back pain. His MRI, his spine MRI came back clean. His x-rays looked good. His, he had pain into his hip. That was clean. And it wasn't until he got a abdominal CT that somebody realized he had colon cancer. But um, we missed it. We, all of us missed those red flags. And it drives me nuts because Ryan was a great communicator above everything else. He was a great communicator, great teacher. And finding out that we missed that, and he ended up 
getting diagnosed. By the time he was diagnosed, he had stage four cancer, and uh, unfortunately, it metastasized, and he passed away a year ago. Um, all that is to say, it shook my world when a great communicator, who's an easygoing guy and very wise, walked into seven different offices, and for whatever reason, no one picked up on the, the red flags and the signs for cancer. And we paid the ultimate price. We ended up losing Ryan last year, and it shook me. So if you ever hear me talking about patient communication and this project we have called Trust Driven Care, it is an ode to Ryan. It is my salute to him because I something in the system is broken if that man couldn't get the care he needed. There was no language barrier. It was not an education issue. And when I look at all the studies around patient communication, extraneous issues keep coming up, none of which Ryan faced. There was no language barrier. There was no misinformation. There was no misunderstanding. He wasn't um, a total oddball. It wasn't a zebra. You know, like when they say you hear the sound of beating hooves, look for horses. He wasn't any of those things, and yet nobody found it. Nobody, myself included. I would consider myself pretty good, and I totally missed it. And I feel like an asshole, the fact that I missed it. And I was devastated. I was, I was devastated, and I was embarrassed to go to his funeral because of how I thought his family would look at me, like a complete failure. And, uh, and that I somehow was part of the cause of his death. And it was, it still bugs me. I mean... I'm almost crying now. But anyways, that experience changed my outlook on where healthcare should be going. And again, if, if that one got him, and if we missed it on him, man, the system has flaws. And we got we to gotta figure out those flaws because people are dying left and right. So there are probably 10 other moments I could identify that personally changed me. I would say this, these were the changes to my professional path. And, you know, with, with what I learned about Ryan's case, I'm excited to move forward with some other projects. But anyways, I thought you guys would uh, be interested in this. Sorry for the downer message at the end there, but it changed me, man. It's part of the path. So with that, I appreciate you listening uh, up to this point. Um, I'd love to get some feedback on this. If there's a moment that you have that totally changed your life, definitely post it in our Facebook group, the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. And just real quick, every month we uh, we find somebody who gave a nice review to the podcast. So if you get a moment uh, after listening to this, give us a, a review on wherever you listen. So if it's Am if it's Apple Podcasts or whatever, give us a review. And then uh, <laughs> make sure that you, if you post up a review, we had somebody who won our Tumblr. So, so if you give a review, uh, we randomly select somebody and give them a Clinic Gym Hybrid tumb uh, Arctic Tumblr, which is like a Yeti mug. Um, we had somebody win recently, but we can't seem to identify them. So we might have to pick another winner. Anyways, if you do review, throw it up on the Facebook page and say, hey, I just reviewed it and put a screenshot. That way we know who you are and how to get a hold of you. And with that, I'll wrap this one up, but I appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being on this journey. And I'd be excited to hear about your pivot points and the pivotal moments in your professional career. And with that, 
As I always say, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.